What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. This week, I've got a fantastic Wellpreneur to bring to you, somebody that I've met in Hong Kong. This week, I'm speaking with Sonali Figueres of Green Queen and Eco Warehouse. Now, before I moved to Hong Kong, I started putting out feelers for who are the people that I want to meet in the wellness industry? And more importantly, where am I going to get healthy food? And what are the restaurants I should go to? And where are the yoga studios? And where can I buy like all my natural beauty products and all this stuff? And I started searching online. And every time I did a Google search for something healthy in Hong Kong, the website Green Queen kept coming up over and over and over again because it's an incredible resource for the healthy scene in Hong Kong. And so then funnily enough, just after I got to Hong Kong, like a couple of weeks in, I saw that there was a wellness business evening where they were having three different wellpreneurs on a panel to talk about running their businesses. So I thought, perfect. I went along and Sonali was there and we hit it off immediately. She's so awesome. We really connected. And what I love about Sonali is not only is she totally obsessed with markets and healthy food like I am, but she's also a really savvy businesswoman and has built these two businesses. She's transitioned Green Queen from just a personal blog into really a powerhouse online in Hong Kong of everything having to do with health and wellness. And she also runs a business called Eco Warehouse, which sources real organic products worldwide, which I think you'll be really interested in, too, in as well. So Sonali and her business partner, Tracy, both run these two fabulous wellness businesses based in Hong Kong, and they're really inspiring. So today in this interview, we're going to be really talking about, honestly, what does it take to build a successful wellness business? And what does her schedule look like? And how does she balance life and business? And also, we're going to talk about data-driven decision-making, which is something that doesn't come up very much here on the podcast. But they really make all of their decisions in their business based on the actual metrics that they're seeing, like from Google Analytics and from other analytics tools that they'll talk about. And I think that's a really good perspective to have. Of course, intuition is awesome and very important, but there's a lot to be said for looking at the hard data as well. So I think you're really going to enjoy this high energy and totally honest interview with Sonali from Green Queen. Now, as always, you can get all the links to everything we talk about back on the blog, which is at wellpreneuronline.com. And if you'd like to connect with more members of the Wellpreneur community, there are over 800 Wellpreneurs active in the public Facebook group. You can get that by just going on Facebook and searching for Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind. And in there, we're sharing what we're working on. We're asking for feedback. We're talking about the podcast episodes. And just generally, it's really awesome so that you don't feel like you're alone on this journey, that you can connect with other wellness entrepreneurs from around the world. I'd love to have you there. So come check us out on Facebook. Anyway, let's get into this interview with Sonali from Green Queen. Sonali, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. So 
we met, gosh, when did we meet last month at a networking event? And as soon as I met you, I was like, oh my God, you have to come on the podcast. Actually, I think that's how I introduced myself to you, wasn't it? Like, hi, I have a podcast. That is how you introduced yourself to me. It was after the speaking event organized by General Assembly about kind of health entrepreneurs, actually. One thing that that really resonated with me when I was hearing your story at that event is that you're totally a wellpreneur. You're like the definition of a wellpreneur because you're really passionate about health and wellness. And like we both love food and markets and cooking and travel and, and all of this health and wellness stuff. But you also run like the biggest healthy living website here in Hong Kong called Green Queen. And what I didn't even realize before was that you also run a really cool online, I don't even know what you call it, a sourcing platform called Eco Warehouse. And I want to talk to you about both of those things. But I just love that, you know, you're really a wellpreneur. You've got your hands and not only do you practice what you preach, but you're you're working in it in several different ways. I certainly try. I definitely have my days, but I love what I do so much. I mean, you will find me late at night reading about the industry. And there's nothing that fascinates me more than, you know, keeping up on the trends, going traveling, seeing what other people are interpreting as wellness and where the world is going in terms of our health and our lifestyles. It's really booming here in Hong Kong right now. Incredibly so. So when I first started the blog, which was just a personal blog a few years ago in 2011, there was nothing. There was nothing online. There were barely any shops. It was that typical situation where anybody into wellness was kind of classified as, you know, a hippie was usually vegetarians and the local Buddhist community looking for, you know, mock meat products or your hippie, you know, aunt who like really wanted a non-toxic shampoo. But there was no awareness of the importance of health and wellness in everyday life. And today, Hong Kong is completely changed. I mean, we have our own vegan supermarkets. We have 15 cold-pressed juice companies. We have a new plant-based restaurant concept opening every week. We are at the center of wellness in Asia now. I came across Green Queen even before I moved to Hong Kong because it seems like anytime you Google any healthy topic, Hong Kong, your website comes up, (laughs) Green Queen. So you've got things on like, where do you find healthy meals and healthy lunches? Where do you get vegetarian restaurants? Or where do you buy coconut oil or all the new fitness classes and all of that? Can you kind of take us back to how that got started and and just we'll focus on Green Queen now and, and kind of how that yeah, how it evolved to where it is today? Absolutely. When I first started Green Queen, it was really, as a, it's a typical story, I had no intention of making it into a media platform. It was just a blog where I felt it might be useful to share some of the addresses of where I got my non-toxic shampoo and my organic vegetables and things that were really quite difficult to find. You would find yourself going on the MTR to Mong Kok for one thing and Wan Chai for another and Central for another. And I realized that if I was having so much trouble with looking for these things, other people were too. But I had no idea what I was doing. I started a WordPress site. I mostly had this page that was health and wellness business list. And it was just literally a list of URLs. Now, there were a few articles that I would write time to time, but I was honestly very off and on about it because I was still working in the corporate world. So, and I I really, I didn't even understand about blogging and what it meant and how to grow it. And when I got the idea for Eco Warehouse, which we can discuss later, and I decided to quit my corporate job to start that, I obviously enlisted a partner who is Tracy Turo, my co-founder and my best friend. She was my college roommate. 
We were randomly assigned. We ended up living together for four years. We started businesses together and ran businesses together in college. And we always had wanted to get back to that. She had a very high powered corporate job. And I said to her, I think you should leave it and come and do this with me. And she's, you know, very, very somebody who makes up her own mind. So she took a couple of weeks to review my business plan because I I submitted to her a proper business plan about Eco Warehouse. And after she'd reviewed it, she just loved it. And she already loved Hong Kong, which is where I was based because she'd come visit me almost yearly since college, since I moved back. And she was on board. So she showed up. And in the meantime of of sort of setting up Eco Warehouse, because we had to build the site and create this infrastructure and all of that, that took a, a good year and a half. We had a little bit of extra time. And Tracy and I are definitely the definition of ADD, high performance kind of type A people. So we wanted to learn something new. And Tracy was playing around with Green Queen and looking at our numbers. Um, And this was the beginning of our journey into being obsessed with data. And she realized that even though I was not upkeeping it, there was a regular and loyal base of traffic coming to the site to find out where to buy organic vegetables and non-toxic eco um, household products and natural beauty, et cetera. And that is when we decided, okay, there's something here. Now, can we use Green Queen as a way to teach ourselves the media business, SEO, you know, how this all works while offering Hong Kong a really strong wellness resource? And so we did. And so we went from a few thousand people a month to, you know, being the biggest today. And we keep growing. Every couple of months, we grow another 10% because in the last year and a half, the zeitgeist of the wellness industry in Hong Kong has just has landed. And so we understood, we taught ourselves SEO. That's really how that happened is that we really taught ourselves how does it, how it works, how Google returns search results, why they return search results and what we could do to, to be in favor of that. So you mentioned that you didn't plan to run a media business. And so just for everybody out there listening, can you kind of explain to them I guess, how you make money through Green Queen. So what does that mean to be a media business? Because it's not like you're offering coaching, for example. No, no, no. By media, I mean a publisher. So we are a publisher of content. We put out um, new posts every week. We have weekly and monthly newsletters. We have community events. And through all, we have a directory of over 2,000 wellness-related health, fitness, all of that businesses in Hong Kong. We also have a calendar of events where we list what's going on. We are basically your portal to wellness in Hong Kong. We tell you where to buy what, what to do on the weekend, what new restaurants in the scene are opening, what new gyms are coming in, all of that. We cover it. And so that, so we are a, a media publisher. And obviously you make, media publishers make money through advertising. So people work with us in various ways whether it's, you know, paid banners on the site or sponsored articles or working with them to promote their events or their launches, co-hosting events, all of that. Awesome. Thank you for explaining that because I think that's really important for people to understand when they're starting a business is like, how are you actually going to make money? So you can't just put up a website and expect it to make money. So it's either you're offering products or programs through it, either maybe you're offering services like coaching, or in your case, because you're really focusing on content and then you're selling advertising. Exactly. We're we're focused on building our audience, building our traffic. And then obviously our audience is an engaged group of people looking for wellness solutions. 
thereby creating a perfect audience for advertisers who want to advertise their wellness businesses and products and services. So tell us a bit, just so everyone has an idea of kind of the full scope of what you're doing, like tell us what Eco Warehouse is because it's a really cool concept. Thank you. So Eco Warehouse happened because I was doing research for an organic food business that I wanted to start in Hong Kong. I don't really disclose it a lot, but it actually was a healthy meal delivery service Uh, combined with sort of like, I had this idea for like a green Starbucks, like your cafe that you could replicate all over town where you could get your coffee with your almond milk and your cold pressed juice and your coconut yogurt. And so I was researching food ingredients. And obviously I landed on Alibaba being somebody that uses the web to do most things. And as I was using their site, um, no disrespect to what I respect as one of the world's largest companies. And, and I very much admire Jack Ma and everything he's achieved. They were you know, the first company to really take the idea of B2B sourcing and bring it online and introduce it to the whole world. That being said, I found myself very, very much struggling with how to figure out whether the products on the site that I was finding were organic, the searching process was difficult, the results were just like not targeted at all to what I wanted. I had no way of kind of knowing if these were verified products, not just verified companies, but had the certifications been checked. And obviously, if you're going to get into organic products, you want to know that it, it's been checked. This is a huge problem because I know on my nat- on the natural beauty side of what I do, looking to source ingredients, like you want to get you know organic coconut oil or cocoa butter or the essential oils. And how do you actually know they're organic, right? Because people, the producer, you would hope they'd be ethical and honest about how they're producing it. But you know, organic standards are different in different places and, and you just don't know. You're just trusting them at the end of the day. So that's such... Massively huge problem. There you go. You've hit on the one. So we have three major pain points that we're addressing with Eco Warehouse. If we get down to the fundamentals and you've hit on one of them. One pain point is how do you know what you're sourcing is safe? And you on Eco Warehouse, we personally verify every single business license in whatever country the business is headquartered and registered in. And we verify every single eco label and organic certificate. So if we can't, third party verify it by ourselves, meaning use a third party to verify it, then we do not allow the products on the site. So that's pain point number one. And that is obviously a huge, 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 huge point of differentiation. We are not trying to do all products. We are trying to do certified products that are safe and secure. Number two, we're solving for the problem of where do you go to source these products where it's just one place? We are the only one right? So that's problem two. And then problem three is, can we make it a really easy, intuitive, enjoyable experience? And we've written our own search algorithm. We've built our own customer relationship management system in the back. We designed all the software ourselves. We still do. And that is because we are so committed to an efficient and easy process. Because at the end of the day, it's really hard to source stuff. (laughs) Let's get down to it. It's just really hard. And so we, we really are different in those three points. And that's been a huge reason why it's worked. And so now we've been live for almost two years and we have users in over 115 countries. And very honestly, that's been a real wow factor, how international this site got from the get-go. And I think what that shows you, if we're looking at the wellness world, is that wellness is very global. These ingredients are grown all over the world where we used to be in a model where the developing world would produce and the developed world would consume, 
And so if you go on a site like an Alibaba or other B2B platforms that are, you know, not wellness focused, you see that a lot of the raw materials are coming from the same five countries. Whereas in wellness, that's really not the case. China is not the main output producer. So it's a complete reversal of markets. Oh, I never thought about that. Mm, China's the buyer. Yeah. We have a lot of Chinese buyers that are here. They're coming on the site. They want quality products from abroad because a lot of the millennial generation in China, they want, they're into wellness. They're into status, you know, status conscious, health conscious lifestyles where they can, and they're into brands from, you know, quality, they're into quality. And a lot of times in China, that quality may or may not be there and they may perceive it as not being there. And so they want stuff from abroad, especially when it comes to beauty products or organic food. I mean, obviously China has a huge problem with food scandals. They have over a hundred food scandals a year. So there is a lack of trust. It seems like a really big vision to me. And I'm always really interested to hear from people how they cast these big visions because I don't know. It it seems like there's almost like two camps of people. Like some people just want to create a little business for themselves, which is totally cool. And other people want to create like this big world changing thing. And I feel like eco warehouse is that you want to be like the big major, like the place to source organic products. Is that, was that your original vision? And and did you have, were you scared to do that? No, I wasn't. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm an entrepreneur because I wasn't scared at all. I was Obviously, I had concerns about building a team and getting the right talent. And I wanted Tracy to be my partner. You know, before I asked her, I was, I was worried about that. But honestly, the idea, no, I was ready from the first day. And actually, it's been really interesting because Green Queen kind of grew on the side and it wasn't planned. And then it sort of really mushroomed in the last year. And then I actually had to make a decision mentally to go, okay, Green Queen has really grown into like a very respected, loved brand. And I need to now have a bigger vision for it. Whereas with Eco Warehouse from the first day, I wanted to be the green, originally the green, and and now we call it also the organic Alibaba. I was always my vision. That was in the business plan. That was the elevator pitch. So, I mean, I was probably a little bit, you know, over, overconfident, but I, I think I was so when I did my homework and I realized that there were no other sites doing this, I think the vision grew, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a realistic person. If other people, if the other people are doing the same thing, I don't think you have that same like blue ocean feeling as Tracy calls it. But like, I definitely right at the outset saw, wow, this is a blue ocean. And it, it was honestly made even harder because no one really understood what I wanted to do. When I first said the green Alibaba, Nine and a half people out of 10 that I spoke to did not know what Alibaba was. This was pre-Alibaba's IPO. So while we were getting the site ready and like and launching it and building it, it was really exciting that Alibaba had the IPO because their business model was introduced to the world. Mm-hmm. Which then suddenly gets it so people understand. They see where you're going. Exactly. I mean, now I would say eight people out of 10 have heard of Alibaba. We still meet the odd couple of people who are a little bit, you know, maybe not, not so aware with things or not, not interested in global news. But at the end of the day, Alibaba is something that people talk about. It's one of the most valuable companies in the world. It's the second largest IPO ever. We, people know what Alibaba is. Now our problem is more differentiating from Alibaba's retail and like C to C and B to C platforms and kind of reminding people that we're more B to B. 
because we are B2B. So we do not ship goods. We do not get involved in logistics. We are the connection. We, Tracy calls it like a dating site for organic. So you, Matt, you're like a matchmaker kind of, uh, kind of. You're a hundred percent matchmaker driven by a powerful search algorithm. And that's, that's always been the, the target and the target. I always like to think of how this can be practical for people. And and so you were saying like with Green Queen, you realized at some point, like, wow, this really has potential. I really need to have a bigger vision for it. Like I I need to open up space for it to grow and become something else. What's your process for doing that? Like, how do you, if people need to have a bigger vision, like how do you even go about doing that? Absolutely. And, And it's a great question because I really did come at these two businesses from very different points of view where Eco Warehouse started big, Green Queen was almost an accident. I mean, other than me wanting, I definitely have an urge to share information. That is something that I have deep inside me. And anyone who will talk to me will attest to that. I want to give you tips. I want to tell you where to buy this and what to do with that. And I, I just have, I have a lot of information inside me. I'm a researcher at heart. I'm a writer at heart. So I have an urge to share. So that urge was there. And I do have to say, that if we're talking about what has made Green Queen different than other media sites or other people trying to get into this is that we're really coming from that authentic space. We're like, I really do want to share information even for free, which is what I was doing. Then came people asking to advertise on the site. So they came to us and we were not looking for it. And the more that happened, then we obviously, this is like a few years ago, we're like, okay, we need a media kit. We need to understand how does it work? What do you, how do you do a media kit? How do you run, manage advertising on your, on your website? Like, what are people looking for? So then we learned all about that. And then the more it started happening, the more we started realizing, okay, people really value Green Queen. And we started getting a lot of emails and, and messages and just feedback. I think the key is we listened to what people were saying. And they were saying, I trust Green Queen. We, we had people saying, oh, I went to Singapore and somebody was talking about Green Queen. And I, you know, and we had people in London saying, can you bring Green Queen to London? Because we don't have something comprehensive like this. And so the more, the more it happened, again, going back to Tracy and I being very focused on data-led decision, decision-making, we, we listened to the data. We didn't just say, okay, this is what we want. We said, okay, this is what other people want. And they're respecting the site. And then of course the traffic, the site was growing very steadily. I mean, year on year, it's growing over, you know, 100%. So that's another data point to, to take, to keep in mind. And then eventually I, you know, I, I sat down with Tracy. All our decisions are made together. And, and, and I said, hey, I think we need to talk about Green Queen. And she said, I think so too. I've been thinking about it. And I, I, we said to each other, we need to stop saying that Green Queen is the side business. We need to now accept that it's its own business and we need to go places with it. And so we completely changed our mindset in November and of last year. And we decided to put resources into Green Queen. We decided to put out that we were going to build out a team for Green Queen. And we were going to make Green Queen the biggest wellness platform in Hong Kong. And, and we obviously have plans for beyond. Probably more in Asia, because I think we have a lot of great wellness platforms in the UK, in Australia, in, in Europe, and in the US, in North America. But I don't think we, we have enough stuff in, in Asia yet. One thing that I loved when I met you is that we both kind of have like two different things going on, although they're both related to wellness. You know, I've got my two sites and you've got these two businesses. And so I'm always curious to find out, how do you balance that? A very, very disciplined uh, scheduling. 
So literally the day is scheduled. We have dedicated days that are only for Green Queen, dedicated days for Eco Warehouse. We split up between, uh, we're very lucky there's two of us. So we have double the people and Tracy and I split everything up. And we, we, we sometimes make difficult, but very much needed decisions about who's going to do what. And sometimes it seems like one person's doing something that might seem more fun or, you know, is a little bit, or somebody's doing something that's a little bit more grueling. But at the end of the day, we're very committed to the long, the, the big picture. I think something that we do really well together is, is we focus on where we're going. We're not just focused on, you know, what we feel like and what's happening today. And you have to be so disciplined if you have two focuses. Because Green Queen and Eco Wearers, while they're both related to wellness, are very different businesses with very different audiences, right? One of them is a global online trade platform for B2B. One of them is a consumer-focused Hong Kong media site. So very different. So you have to be able to be a little nimble with your mind and, and be able to kind of, you know, go between the two. I mean, that comes with practice, obviously. But really, I think scheduling and being disciplined and saying, okay, what needs to get done for Eco Warehouse and what needs to get done for Green Queen? I mean, I don't know what it's like to have children and I don't know what it's like to have two children, but I imagine a little bit, you know, that feeling as a mom that you would have to juggle two children and their needs. I I imagine scheduling is how they do it. So how do you decide what to work on? How do you decide what's most important? uh, Data, like same thing. Like, so we we kind of are inspired by tech companies who allow for 10 or 20% of people's time to be dedicated to new projects. But we, again, are very strict about how you, so we try and have some time during the week that is let's, let's blue ocean it. Let's talk about where we can go, bigger ideas, where we, you know, things we want to do that are kind of not, we're not doing right now, but 80% of the time we are focused on what needs to get done. And we have like very clear definition of what's the output. I think if you should be led by like the output that you need to put out. So obviously every every week we need to put out our content for Green Queen. We need to put out our newsletter. We need to do our social media. We need to work on um, talking to our advertisers. On Eco Warehouse, we need to work with our programmers to work on the back end. We need to do all our verification work. We need to do all our marketing emailing, right? So all of that gets put into a, essentially a pot and then we divide and conquer. And now we've been doing it for long enough. We have a routine. But what's really good about, about Tracy and me is that we challenge ourselves by taking on new things all the time. And we're also really good about saying, this isn't working. The data is showing this is not at all going the way we want it to go. So scrap it. So we're, we're happy to try. We're also happy to let something die. You know? I think that's so important. I think we can, it can be really tempting, I guess, for our egos to just like, or maybe just out of blind hope, just keep going and going, even when something isn't working. And so I think that's, that's a really great ability to have, to be able to just look at it and say, you know what, I just need to let that go to make space for the other stuff. Absolutely. I have to say in our time doing some consulting with businesses, this is a, this is a problem. And I think it, I think personally, it comes from not making decisions using kind of data points. I think we need to not make too many emotionally led decisions. And I definitely try to have no ego with what I do because, you know, when I first started, I thought ideas were so important and I was so wrong. What's really important is execution and consistency. Ideas are a dime a dozen. We all have ideas. I have 10 ideas a day. And Tracy says, no, 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 no. And she's right. 
So she's been really, I'm definitely like the ideas person. And she's definitely good at being like, no, that that's not, that's not in our vision. That's like, that's too left field. And I'm like, okay. But I made an agreement with her that like, I would also have the right attitude and not feel personally offended or anything like that. I'm very happy to have someone say, no, that's, that's not going to work. And then if there's an idea that we both go, wow, and it really excites us and it's kind of within our vision, then we put out a schedule on how we can work on it, but it cannot be at the, at the um, expense of what we do every day. Because what we've learned is that really coming to work every day, doing your work every day, being consistent, putting out the results every day, that's not something that everyone can do. That's the really hard part. I love that. I guess it was uh, one of the talks I was at where you were speaking and you said, in the beginning, you didn't want to tell anybody your idea about your business because you thought they'd steal it. And now you'll tell everybody what you're doing because, <laughs> because like you said, the execution is the hard part. I was completely wrong and I was naive and that's fine. I was, you know, I was much younger. I was almost four years, five years ago now. And I didn't understand because, you know, in the press, we kind of worship at the altar of ideas. And I've decided that I've, I've changed. I now worship at the idea, at, at the altar of execution. I worship people who get to work every day and produce and they're building something. And I didn't understand how important it is to come to work every day for years on end and build. Mm. It's, it's something that, you know, Tracy and I talk about a lot. It's grit. And I have to say, I don't see enough grit and I want to see more grit because it's really hard some days. It's hard to work every weekend when all your friends are having fun. It's hard not to take holidays for the whole year. It's hard to do stuff you don't feel like doing when it's 11 o'clock at night and you've been working since 8 a.m. But that is the difference, not the idea, but the commitment to continue every day. And at the end of the day, that's why you have to be really passionate about what you're doing because you just have, otherwise, how can you keep yourself going when you don't feel like doing it? Absolutely. And we've actually had talks with people that have said to us, and I thought it was brilliant. They said, you know what? I realized after a year, I didn't care that much. Mm -hmm. Great. Then you don't. That's fine. No problem. Move on. Mm -hmm. That's why entrepreneurs tend to be people that are passionate beyond the norm because that's your adrenaline. It's funny. I used to like, you know, complain about my corporate job and feel like, oh, I couldn't wait till I get out and it's going to be so much better. But actually like on dark days, it just seems so much easier to go back and have a corporate job really, because you just show up and they pay you money. <laughs> I think that that is such a wise piece of advice there. You know, so like, don't be, I'm always telling my clients, like, I know, I know you're desperate to get out of your job. Like I have totally been there. I was desperate, but from the other side, I can tell you save as much money as you can stay in it as long as you can, because it is actually easy money. A hundred percent. So with you more. And I think we, we are also in a time where we are really, really worshiping at the altar of startups. Everything's a startup. Everybody wants to be in a startup. You know, the banking industry sort of collapsed a lot and that was kind of a path to economic freedom. So now a lot of people are jumping from that to startups. And it's great that everybody wants to build things and it's great that everybody wants to kind of be their own boss. But I don't think we have enough information about how difficult it is financially, like your health, you know, your personal relationships. I mean, Tracy and I have no social life. That's the honest truth. But we are fine with that because that's the choice we made. And one day we will have it again. But right now, that's not the focus. 
And I don't think everybody can give that up. And I mean, we have friends that, that say to us, you know, how do you do it? You know, don't you want to? And it's like, yeah, sometimes I want to, but I won't. Because you want this other thing more because you want to build your, create what you're creating more. Because at the end of the day, I get out of bed because I want to build things and I love it. And when I was in a corporate job. I actually didn't, I was definitely, it was not at all for me. I did not do well in a corporate environment at all. It, it, it did not at all connect with me. And I worked in New York. I worked in London. I, I worked here. It, it, it doesn't matter. Was I good at it? Some jobs, yes. Some jobs, less so. But it, it, it just, no, I didn't want to get out of bed in the morning, actually. It was the opposite. Mm-hmm. And whereas here, I want to get out of bed on Sundays to work. I don't care. I love what I do. Even when it's hard, even when it's, you know, when it's annoying. Yeah, everyone, ha- we are human. We have days where we don't want to work, where you're not feeling well, whatever. But if you love what you do, you'll do it. You won't even think about it. I don't even think of myself as a workaholic because I just love working, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Well, it's fun. <laughs> it becomes fun. Do you find like, so how do you make sure that you stay healthy and able to perform at your best when you're working this much? What do you do to keep yourself? I'm going to be honest, really, really honest and say that I am not as good as I should be on that front. I do not keep my, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people, like I'll take care of everyone else before me. And I've really learned that as <laughs> cliched as it sounds, if you're going to lead a company and be a, somebody who is creating things and, and hopefully managing a team well and, and keeping people around you happy, you do have to take a little bit of time out for your health. And I have to say that I have to credit both Tracy and my husband, oh, as well as my mother, who are the three people that I look to in my life for everything at this point, for really pushing me to take time out. They are really tough on me with that and they need to be because I am 100% a workaholic that will not pay attention enough to my health. And I do have a lot of chronic health issues because that's how I got into wellness. Like most people, I wasn't happy with the answers that my doctors were giving me. So I started to do my own research and learn and learn and learn and I'm still learning and I could be better at that. I could take more time to, I've learned that working out is, is crucial. Have to work out not to be thin, not to lose weight, just for mental fitness and happiness. I've learned that. So I've committed to working out three times a week. And some days I just want to cancel because I want to work. I I have so much to do. I, I can't take this one hour out, but I made myself pay for it. And it's not, it's not cheap to work out if you pay for it. And so that forces me to go. And that seems like a really weird thing to do because, you know, why can't I just motivate myself? But it turns out that's, I'm not very good at that. So that's one of the things I do. I make it so that I have to show up because I'm, I would never waste money. So I go. And that's been really good for my mental health. And I'll also just really trying to eat clean, which for me means to eat at home a lot. You know, I grew up with a mom who is a cook and, and, you know, she makes everything at home and I've definitely taken that on. So we eat at home a lot and it's usually pretty healthy. That's one of my big things is actually taking time away for lunch and shutting down the computer and getting out. It's a bit harder now that I live in this teensy little apartment in Hong Kong because in London, I had like a separate office room. 
So I could just leave my office, go to the kitchen or go outside and actually have like a proper sit down lunch with no electronics. Or maybe just some, maybe a podcast because I love podcasts. But just doing that, like forcing myself to do that and go away from work was so good. So it just helps my productivity so much. I love that. I love that. And I guess I get that by going to the gym. Mm-hmm. I have to like travel on the gym. I go on the tram, which I, I'm a diehard Hong Konger. I love that tram. Mm-hmm. So I just even just getting those that tram ride there and, and getting just getting away and seeing, you know, seeing what's going on outside is also such an important part of being, you know, a business owner and an entrepreneur, right? And so that's the thing. I could easily be somebody that gets caught up in my world at my desk. And getting out more is definitely, you know, it fuels, it gives me ideas, it fuels my mind. And it, it's just, it's good mental health. I know the, the, the headlines go up and down about exercise and, and going for a walk or going to the gym or one minute of exercise a day or 20 minutes. But at the end of the day, just getting out and moving is so good for your soul. Totally. Well, oh my gosh, I could talk to you for ages because I've got about 30,000 more questions, but we have to wrap (laughs) up. Let's see. Oh, just at the end, do you have like a favorite book recommendation or a tool or something that you'd recommend to other wellpreneurs out there? (laughs) I'm going to be really geeky and say Google's tools. (laughs) Own a website. Please become intimately acquainted with Google Analytics and Webmaster Tools or Search Console as it's called. That's my favorite. Those are my favorite tools in terms of really because I'm really passionate about being a data driven business. And actually, I would say my advice to start people who are starting out is don't go too crazy with paid services. Use the free stuff. So that's I'm going to go backwards on that advice and say use what's available to you because I see a lot of businesses where, you know, they, they get really excited and they, they kind of buy this tool and that tool and they get, they get caught up. And I think that there's a lot for free. Mm-hmm. So like my, my favorite tools are things like Udemy or Coursera where you can teach yourself stuff. I'm really, really passionate about teaching yourself stuff rather than getting someone, an expert to help you. Awesome. Yeah. Especially in the beginning where you just need to really, if you're going to outsource it someday, it's really good to know how it works in the beginning so that you know how to hire that kind of person. You know what skills they need. Totally. So definitely you have to it. outsource one day, but yeah. you need your hands to get dirty in the beginning. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So Sonali, tell us where people can find you. So you can find me on Green Queen. I'm, I'm definitely the person that you'll talk to in the emails. So get in touch at greenqueen.com.hk. You can also check out Eco Warehouse, which is an ekowarehouse.com. And it's great if you have any kind of wellness business. It's free to sign up as a trade buyer and, and browse and connect with suppliers and any all of that. We also on Eco Warehouse have an amazing trade show list of all the health and wellness trade shows in the whole world. That's helpful. Also, if you're a little bit confused about organic and eco labels, we have a guide. So those are that's kind of where, where we're hanging out. We love to share information, as I said, and, and you know, there's so much to mine on, on both Green Queen on a more Asia or Hong Kong level and Eco Warehouse on a more global level. Awesome. And I'll link those up in the show notes too, so everybody can get to it. So thank you so much for being here with me today. It was really awesome. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really in awe of this podcast. I love podcasts too, and I, I, I want them to grow bigger in Asia. Obviously, you have a global audience, which is amazing, but I hope that this will 
that people in Asia will start, you know, really taking podcasts to a new level. Me too. Let's see what we can do with it this year. So <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and congrats on your nomination, by the way. Oh yeah. Woo-hoo. Awesome. Yeah. UK podcast. UK. I'm in the running for anybody out there listening. I'm in the running for UK podcast of the year. So go vote for me. I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes too. I, I did on Facebook. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all the links to everything we talked about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. And don't forget to come join us in the Facebook group, which you can get at by just typing into Facebook, Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind, and come join over 800 other Wellpreneurs in there supporting each other and sharing and talking about the podcast and just helping us to get our wellness businesses out in the world in a bigger way. So have a fantastic week and I'll see you back here next week with the next episode.